This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, to start out tonight, we're off to the year 1951. A lot was going on that year in radio, but the truth of the matter is, a lot was going off the radio that year. In April of 1951, The Adventures of Sam Spade Detective ends its run on network radio. In May, a program we just started to listen to last week here in Theater of the Mind, Candy Matson ended its run on the network radio NBC West Coast. In August, The Bickersons with Don Amici ends its run on network radio, CBS. And in September of 1951, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe ended its run on CBS. Now, I think it's rather fortunate that we'll be hearing an episode of Philip Marlowe tonight in the latter part of the show. But to get us off and running, let's see what The Saint is up to tonight. In tonight's episode, The Cowboy was first aired in 1951. Adventures of The Saint, starring Tom Conway. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Tom Conway as... The Saint. Coming. Oh. Yes? Uh, ain't you going to ask me in, partner? Look, cowboy, if you've lost your horse... Well, I... Let me in. I got to talk to you. I got to. All right. Uh, come in, partner. What can I do for you? You Templar? The man they call the Saint? That's what's engraved on my halo. Well, uh, I'm McGowan. They call me Tex. Well, um, it fits. Born and raised in Texas and aiming to die there. Uh, somebody's stopping you? Somebody don't care where it happens, just so long as it's now. Here, look at this hat. Hmm. A funny place for air holes. Not so funny when they're bullet holes, though. Run out of rufflers to shoot at? I was bushwhacked, partner. I was stepping out of a taxi and some sidewinding bushwhacking polecat took a shot at me. Well, we'll head him off at Eagle Pass. Go on. Well, I came to New York to have fun, not to be killed. That's logical. You reckon you can ride shotgun on me? You've got me confused with the police department. I understand they have a special bureau that does nothing but protect visiting cars. I don't want the police department. I'll pay. Uh, 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 uh. I'm not in business. 
Huh, look, money's money and you're human. Oh, so you've noticed that, have you? And I ain't exactly a poor man. Raising beef's a big money business these days. Yes, yeah, so is buying it. Uh, what do you fellas fatten those cows on that makes a steak so expensive? Broccoli? <laughs> hey, you don't want my money? It's only money. Uh, how about a cow? Oh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, but the management of this apartment house is so stuffy. The only livestock permitted is dogs and cats. Oh, I don't mean a cow on the hoof, one for the broiler. Uh, uh, I beg your pardon? When I get home, I'll personally airmail you once a week the best darn steak this side of Fort Worth. Oh, you interest me. Well? I'm bought. Go ahead and brand me. Uh, that's good. Hey, you made me feel better. You made me feel hungry. See that I don't get killed, partner. That's all you're supposed to do. I um, always like to do a little more than I'm supposed to. I'll see that neither of us get killed. Now, what's all the shooting for? In a couple of days, I'm going to Chicago to have a talk with the fella. The fella knows I'm coming, and he ain't hankering none to see me. Oh, so he sent someone to head you off with a gun. Him? Why? Oh, it's just a little business matter. You see, he... Oh, but come on, partner. Tell you all about it somewhere else. This is New York City. Let's go live it up some. And we can talk during it. What have you got in mind? Heard about a saloon where a dozen pretty gals come out and dance the can-can. <laughs> I'm fixing to cut one up from the herd. Yahoo! Hey, Jack. What's the matter, partner? All out of bubble water? No, but that little talk we're going to Waiter, have. Waiter! Where's that other case of champagne I ordered? You haven't told me what he did. Well, who's that, Simon? The fellow in Chicago. Oh, him. The varmint's only been short weight me on my beef, that's all. Know what I mean? Yes, my butcher invented it. A thousand hit of... That's it, boys. Fill up them glasses. We're gonna live her up tonight. <laughs> Now, Mr. Templer, Greenwich Village. 52nd Street. Now, about Chicago. <laughs> you know, uh, I got a sudden hankering to see that old horse of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, please, Ted, don't cry. Now, when you get to Chicago... He's just an old cow pony, but I wouldn't swap him for all the horses in Kentucky. Yes, I felt that way about a girl once. Now, about the man in Chicago. Oh, that crimson fool cat. Oh, so you do remember him. He underweighed a thousand head of my steers on a rigged-up scale. Cost me 20, maybe 30 pounds a head. Well, that's a lot of T-bones. Who is this fellow? Oh, he's... Uh, just now decided something. What? Next time I come to New York City, I'm bringing that old horse with me. Got a feeling he'd kind of like all this. Well, we know, partner. 52nd Street. No, Greenwich Village. Who'd you say the man in Chicago was? The critter who's been jobbing all my cattle out of the Chicago market the last ten years or so. Yoo-hoo! Uh, no telling how many pounds of beef he bamboozled me out of in all that time. So you're going to blow the whistle on him, huh? Huh? Meaning what? Tell the police. Nope. I ain't even telling you, partner. 
I want this critter all to myself, Texas style. Yahoo! That Yankee music is wonderful. Warms a waddy's blood. Where do we go from here? Home. Here, buddy. Hotel Wentworth. Just wait here a moment, driver. Take a little walk before you pay off the cab driver. Only when I'm paying bodyguard. How much? One forty, it says. Who are you looking for? Brownies. Help me haul my cowboy friend inside, will you? I don't think I'll be able to wake him. <laughs> Not wake him. He left. What? There's a saloon across the street, buddy. He's making a beeline for it. Oh, for the love of God! Wait a minute, a buck forty. Here, keep the change. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Hey, wait a minute, you darn fool. I... Hey. Tex! Stand back, brother. You want it, too. You murderous rat, you dirty... So you do want it, okay? Now it's a gun jam. Now it's going to be jammed down your throat, killer. I'm going to... Oh. Okay. Nice work, then. Come on, Vic. Let's get out of here. Hello, nurse. And how are we today? You're fine. How am I? I'll let you know just as soon as I've checked your pulse. What are you doing for dinner tonight? I have a date. Oh, too bad. Besides, you're not leaving the hospital until tomorrow. How can you ask me out? Oh, it's uh, just a form of exercising. You're very beautiful. Mr. Templer, if you keep me talking, how can I check your pulse? Why bother? To see if it's normal, of course. Well, if my pulse is normal when you check it, then uh, I'm not. Oh, you and your jokes. Oh, I, I forgot. You have another visitor. Oh, blonde or brunette? Redhead. Oh, cute? I think so. But you wouldn't. No? It's that nice young lieutenant from the homicide bureau. Oh, again. I, uh, I suppose it would be pointless to tell him I'm out. Obviously. Come in, Lieutenant Varden. I was just going. Thank you, Molly. You're welcome, Lieutenant. You, um, you don't have to ask, Lieutenant Varden. The answer is no. Thanks. Now it's a question. Have I remembered anything I forgot to mention about Tex McGowan's killer? Isn't it? No. Nope. This time I'm here with an invitation. Oh, a party. The morgue. And, oh, the doctor told me I was past the critical stage. The picture morgue down at headquarters. More romantically known as Rugs Gallery. Oh, you want me to look at faces? Yeah, as soon as you're strong enough. Might just be that the guy who dumped McGowan left his face with us one time or another. Well, it'll be a nice change in the routine. Uh, what will? Uh, getting out of here. Hand me my clothes, Lieutenant. Now, wait a minute. You're not due to bow this joint till tomorrow. Lieutenant Varden, are you a public servant? Well, I'm a cop, so I'm a public servant. Hand me my clothes. You sure? Positive. Besides, there's very little point in a patient staying in the hospital when he's making so little progress. Clearing up a concussion in three days' time isn't progress? Uh, I mean, with that nurse. I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah, no. You know? Uh-huh. Because I am. Oh. Now, don't look at me like that, Saint. We public servants got to live, too, you know. Mm. Well, come on. 
We'll go look at pictures. Well? No. This one? No. Take a look through these. No. Oh. I'll take this one. Huh? Oh, for... (laughs) How did a pin-up girl's picture get in here? I don't know, but it certainly breaks the monotony. This one? No. This? No. How about... No. One of these? Well, well... The guy who killed Tex McGowan? No, my old geometry teacher. This? No. Here? Oh. Oh, pardon me. No. Him? Mm-mm. Hey. Yeah, I know. The boy most likely to succeed in your graduating class. The boy most likely to get the electric chair for shooting down Tex McGowan. At last. You sure? Like Stanley finding Livingston. Nick Nemoshenko, check Chicago police files. It's practically done. Thanks, Tupper. Thanks, refused. I've got a slight interest in this trigger man myself, you know. If you don't believe me, ask my head. I see what you mean. Will you stay until I check on Nemoshenko? I'll stay. Where? Chicago. Cops out there grabbed him when he came off the plane. Good. You going? Uh-huh. You want it? Delighted. Nice of you to ask. You can clinch the identification for us. When are we leaving? Well, it's a train at midnight. Enough time for you? I'll go home and pack a bag. Suppose they pick you up at your apartment in about half hour? I'll be ready. Thanks again for the invitation, pardon. And, uh, Lieutenant, mm-hmm. I uh, think I'll forgive you. Forgive me? For stealing my nurse while I was unconscious. About time you got home, Stan. Huh? What? You know what I am? Uh, animal, vegetable, or mineral? I'm the fella that watched you come out of the little building at police headquarters where they keep the pictures. Well, it's an interesting hobby, I admit, but... I uh... slugged you once, Stan, when my cousin's gun jammed up the other night. I guess now I gotta make it more permanent. Uh, don't bother on my account. It's on my cousin's account. You're the only fella can send him to the hot seat. You're the only eyewitness. He killed that cowboy. Uh, you'll, uh, excuse me while I get on with my packing, won't you? I... Where you're going, sir, you ain't gonna need to pack nothing for. No? You think you're going to Chicago, but you ain't, sir. Well, must you be poetic at a time like this? You ain't gonna go to Chicago and put no finger on Nick. Oh, now, wait a minute. I... Are you gonna go to Chicago and I'm gonna beat you to death right here in New York? Well, it is for me. Oh. You call that an answer? Who's that? Detective Lieutenant Varden. Would you like to meet him? We'll see you again, sir. Come in, Varden. Butler? What are you sitting on the floor for? I've been entertaining. You know, company. Yeah? What happened to him? Oh, well, no use going after them. Out the service door. Tranquilly flew. Shy? Only a policeman. So he bellied, you know. They caught me with my vitality down. 
Remember, I was a hospital case only the day before yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need protecting. Come on, let's catch that train. You can tell me the whole sad story on the way to the station. Good thing this train had a second coat of paint. Because that's what we caught it by. Here. This is that drawing room D. Excuse me. Could one of you gentlemen tell me where to find drawing room C? Yeah. The one right there. Uh, you'd better let me handle it, Varden. You policemen are so dropped. Uh, drawing room C? Uh-huh. I'm so helpless on trains. Oh, that's a pity. Always lost. Uh, I'm always finding things. Are you? I... Oh, there's drawing room C right next to yours. We made it. Sometimes that's uh, a very interesting relationship. If you should ever want to borrow anything, neighbor, I... Oh, I've got everything. Yes, you have. But if you should need something, well, after all, what a neighbor's for. I never was really sure until now. Well, goodbye, neighbor. You know, Lieutenant, these trains are getting better equipment all the time. You deal, Varden. Lieutenant. Hmm? Oh, my dear. Get her off your mind. She'll be there when you get back. Although they are rather prone to elope with interns. Sampler, what are you talking about? My nurse, or uh, should I say our nurse. Get her off your mind and start concentrating on who hired Nick Nikoshenko to smoke down Tex McGowan. Hey, hey, where are you going? Uh, you don't have to be a detective to get that. Oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. I'm, uh, Tired of cards. I'm I'm going to be neighborly for a while. Yes? Oh, it's you, neighbor. See? I uh, knew it would come to this. I'd like to borrow something. What have you got in mind? Oh, anything. What have you got? Maybe we'd better talk it over. My name's Linda Jarvis. Simon Templer. Oh, it sounds very distinguished. Won't you come in? All my life I've been easily persuaded. Now, I want you to tell me all about yourself. You going to Chicago for business? Pleasure? Well, uh, it started out to be business. And your friend, when I first met you in the corridor before, didn't... Didn't I hear you say he was a, a policeman? Oh, did you? I'm fascinated by crime and policemen. And I bet you're going to Chicago to arrest somebody. Oh, you must tell me about it, please. It, it, it's so fascinating. Only in the comic books. The man you're going to arrest, what did he do? Is he a bank robber, a murderer? Please tell me everything. I'm all ears. You are? Well, fancy that. <laughs> Simon, so enjoyed the trip, but you didn't tell me half of what I expected to hear about crime and criminals. Well, and... there were many more important things to talk about. Uh, do you happen to have a phone number handy? Only my own. But I don't think I'm going to give it to you. Now, is that being neighborly? 
why we were... Uh-oh. Hmm? Lieutenant Varden. On his way to fetch me, there's an impatient look on his face. Look, Linda, when can I see you again? That's all right. I don't mean to break up what appears to be a beautiful friendship, but we're expected at Chicago Police Headquarters today. In other words, right about... Oh! Pardon! Hit me in the arm. No, only in the arm. Linda! She blew right after the shot. Look, I'll be all right. You go after her. All right, Pardon. Excuse me, please. Let me through, please. Please, let me through. Come on. A girl, tall, brunette. You see her? In that cab. The one turning out up there. Follow her. Hurry. Hey, mister. Her cab's stopping. So I see. Pull up to the curb right here. He's getting up. Going in that apartment house. Okay. This is the end of the line. Wait for me. It ain't gonna be long, is it? My ship ends in a half an hour. I've been pushing this hack all night. I'll be back in a few minutes. Don't worry about it. Who is it? Lars and Miss Jarvis. Lars. All right. Well, I'm not a rogue. Sure I can, see? I'm in. How dare you? This is outrageous. Not nearly as outrageous as putting a finger on a fellow so that a rifleman knows who to shoot down. I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about. Oh, sure you have, baby. Sure you have. That bullet was for me, wasn't it? Lieutenant Barton just happened to stroll into it. Simon, darling, why should why should I want to have you killed? I don't know you that well. But you know me well enough to know that I'm the only eyewitness to a murder. And that I should be eliminated, don't you? But I... What reason would I have? If I should fail to identify a certain Nick Nimoshenko as the gunman who shot down Tex McCann, then the possibility of Mr. Nimoshenko's telling who hired him to do the job is very slight. I still have no idea what you're talking about. Then suppose we go down to police headquarters and I'll tell you all about it. Well, it's about time. How long was I supposed to keep him talking before you were ready to swing that club? Oh, I thought I'd let him feel he was living for a while. You know, Linda, I told this sucker he hadn't ought to come to Chicago. Oh, I told him. Oh. George! Beginning to wake up, is he? Uh huh. Oh, splendid. There's some questions I must ask him. He's beginning to flutter his eyes, George. What? Oh, yes, sir. What are you three staring at? Haven't you ever seen a man with two heads before? Feeling better, Mr. Templer? Not as good as when I was unconscious. It can be arranged, sucker. Making you unconscious is how I earn my pay. You had a better future when you were swinging through the trees. Huh? At least you were your own boss. That mean you're calling me an ape? <sighs> the fur fits where it. All right, wise guy. Now Never I'll... Never mind, Stanley. Uh... Stanley. Throw him a banana. Why? Oh, Stanley! Better not irritate him. Simon, darling. He's hot-headed. And soon he'll be sitting in a chair that's going to make him hot all over. And so will you, Linda. And last night on the train, you said such sweet things to me. Remember? I remember. 
Next time I go anywhere, I'll ride a freight. You meet a better class of tramps. Georgie's grouchy. Aren't you, Simon, darling? Stop pestering him, Linda. Let's get on with this. Yes, let's. Uh, Tex McGowan was a talkative man, was he not? You tell me. It's hardly likely that you'd agree to interest yourself in this affair without knowing all the facts. Uh, facts uh, concerning me. Uh, who are you? Uh, what do you do besides uh, train eight? George Haggerty, I'm a cattle broker. Oh. I'll bet you haven't been called Honest Weight Haggerty much lately. Ah, so he did tell you. What you do to a scale could uh, outmode reducing diets. What else did McGowan tell you? You had it, no spring. Stanley. Okay, poor. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> all right, all right, Stanley. Let's keep him conscious for a while, shall we? Uh, you needn't bother. Uh, Mr. Temple, I trust you don't think all this is just idle curiosity on my part. Oh, don't apologize. I want to know how much McGowan told you so that I'll know how much you might have told the police. Thanks for the blueprint. What I mean is, if certain facts are known to the police, then it might be, uh, well, it's quite possible, that is, that they'll be able to... Stop stabbing yourself. You want to know if the police have anything that establishes you as Nemoshenko's sponsor. Well, uh, have they? Next time you see your barber, get the top of your head shaved. The ones up at Sing Sing are so messy. You're lying. They don't know. Okay, I'm lying. Sweat it out, killer. Sweat it out. You mean beat it out, don't you? Stanley. Hamlet. Went over lightly again. Not too lightly. But don't kill him until later. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Temper, going to talk to me now? What's the use, George? You'll never tell the truth. I know. I had a date with him. You're boasting. This is just a waste of time. Let Stanley get it over with. Yeah, that's what I say, George. If the cops knew anything about us, they'd have been here a long time ago. Yes, I suppose you're right. All right, Stanley. How do you want it, then? Oh, anyway, I don't care. Well, I do. Well, that's what attracted me to you from the start, Linda. You looked like a neat housekeeper. Shut up. All right, take him out of here and throw him into Lake Michigan. Uh, but uh, I didn't bring my bathing suit. Who? Least idea. Shall I answer? You have to. The doorman knows you're in. Very well. Whoever it is, get rid of him and fast. Yes, what? Let me in. I'm looking for a guy and I'm going to pin his ears back. That's what I'm going to do. But I... Look here, you can't break into here like oh, that. I can't. You'd be surprised at what I can do when I'm sore and believe me, I'm... Oh, there you are. Hello, Captain Carson. Go, go, giving me no lip, brother. I told you I was off duty in a half an hour, and you said that you... Hey, how'd you get your face all banged up? Oh, it's all in the day's work. What's going on here? You've got your men stationed at all possible exits, Captain? Well, I... Haven't you, Captain? Well, sure. Oh, yeah, they're surrounding the whole building. Fine, Captain. And here are your three murderers, just as I promised. Now we'll Wait see. a minute. This doesn't look like any cop I've ever seen. No, I... Don't let him reach for that gun. Oh, no, you don't. Let me go. Give me that gun. Thank you. Stanley, Stanley, get him, get him. Not me. I ain't going to hit no cop. Spoken like a gentleman of the old school. Not when they got all the exits covered, especially. I'm giving up. That's using your head, Stanley. Stanley, he hasn't... Hey, uh, Captain, here's my gun. I'm ready to confess. I don't want your gun. I just want Take the... it, you fool. Take it. Oh, trail on now do I get my fare? Yes, you get your fare, my friend. And you know what I'm going to give you for a tip? What's that? A new cab. But first, get on the phone and tell the police to come over, will you? 
Tell them there are some people here I'd like them to meet. You have been listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now, here is our star, Tom Conway. Ladies and gentlemen, in our cast, you heard Joyce McCluskey as Linda and Sandra Gould as the nurse. Brooke Temple played Tex. Ted DeCorsia, George. Lamont Johnson was the lieutenant. Ed Max Stanley and Howard McNear, the cab driver. And this is Tom Conway inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of The Saint. Good night. Tonight's script of The Saint was written by Michael Cramoy. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Tom Conway is soon to be seen in the Warner Brothers production, Painting the Clouds with Sunshine. And all you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Hal Gibney. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Now stay tuned for more great mystery entertainment as Lloyd Nolan stars in Martin Kane, Private Eye. Yes, now hear Martin Kane, Private Eye on this same NBC station. He's the daring private investigator who's become a popular hero throughout the nation. Now you'll hear Lloyd Nolan as Martin Kane every Sunday immediately following The Saint. Listen first for The Saint, then stay tuned for Martin Kane, Private Eye, starring Lloyd Nolan. Hear him next on NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for The Adventures of Philip Marlowe next on Theater of the Mind. Stay tuned for The Adventures of Philip Marlowe next on Theater of the Mind. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end. But they never learn. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment... Raymond Chandler's most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now with Gerald Moore starred as Philip Marlowe, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum are glad to bring you tonight's exciting story, The Pelican's Roost. Hello, Marlowe speaking. Oh, Phil, thank heaven you're home tonight. Lynn? Yes. Lynn Russell? Uh-huh. Oh, baby, when did you get back to town? Uh, yesterday. Phil, listen, I'm at Eugene's. It's a beauty salon in Wilshire, just west of La Cienega. Yeah? Come over here right away, will you? Me? <laughs> to a beauty shop? You've got to help me get out of here. What's the matter, kid? Got your head caught in a dryer? Phil, please, I'm serious. I'm scared. There's a guy waiting for me outside, and when I leave here, I'm afraid he's going to try to kill me. 
Now, look, this isn't just for laughs, huh, baby? Phil, this time I'm not fooling. This man's crazy. His name's Ward Erling. I had a few dates with him once. He was in an accident three months ago, just before I left on my cruise. He's supposed to be in the hospital right now, but he isn't. He's here, just waiting for me to leave. Yeah, but Lynn, look, I... I'm not asking a favor, Phil. I'm hiring you. Okay, baby, it'll take me 15 minutes to get there. Oh, thanks, Bill. I'll wait till I see you walk by. I drove out to Wilshire Boulevard and kept telling myself that I could trust Lynn Russell. Why? Because I like her. She was a glossy brunette born with all the natural equipment of a top model and a covey of oil wells in her own name. She rushed at life, but she'd always been smart enough to stop short of real trouble. Well, it was 9.30 when I got to the section of Wilshire's Miracle Mile that housed Eugene's beauty shop. I drove by, saw no one outside, so I pulled into an alleyway, parked, and walked back slowly. As I passed in front of the show window, I winked at a gilt mannequin with purple hair. And when I heard the door open behind me, I stopped and lit a cigarette. Then Russell hurried by without a word, ran to a cab at the corner, and drove away. Well, that was all there was to it. I turned around, headed back to my own car, and got as far as the handle on the door. Oh! Fell against the car as the blow came again. Oh! Made syrup of my legs. I oozed down onto the pavement and stayed there. I know you. You're Marlowe, the private detective. Okay. So I'm Marlowe. Well, let me tell you something, Marlowe. I've spent three months flat on my back because of an accident that wasn't an accident. I'm going to get even with her, you understand? I don't care what it costs. Palmer Sloan or anybody else can hire a dozen like you, and it won't stop me, so stay out of my way. I climbed up my front fender hand over hand, got back on my feet. Time to clutch a glimpse of a new convertible emerald green with what must have been Ward Erling at the wheel. Well, it was no use trying to follow in the condition I was in, so I headed for Lynn's place with all my windows open. The cool air helped. I pulled up in front of a wrought iron arch labeled Garden Court Bungalows and followed a flagstone trail back to number four, which was Lynn's. I felt almost normal again until I saw her front door. It was standing half open, framing a man against the dark interior who was trying his best to see inside. This time, the advantage was mine, and I took it! Take your hands off me! Get inside! Oh, just a minute! Get in! Turn on the lights. Lynn! I doubt she's home. Miss Russell is not in the habit of sitting around in the dark. Oh, you know her habits, huh? I do. And you? I know she has bad taste in men. I wonder if I should resent that. You don't qualify. What are you to Lynn? When she wants someone to help her lift a martini glass, she calls on me. You've been going on like that for years. Just tell me your name, Junior, and he's off on a small talk. My name is Sloan, Palmer Sloan. Now it's your turn, Mr. Muscles. Never mind. Lynn! Lynn! By what right are you snooping around like this? Just who are you, anyway? Here. Here's my card. Lynn hired me tonight. Oh. So you're Marlowe the detective. Yeah, yeah, Marlowe the detective. Any idea where she is, it's important. None whatever. I had a date to meet her here, which never means very much to her. Why did she think she would need you tonight? Because she was afraid of a guy. One who gave me a crack on the skull and, incidentally, doesn't think much of you either. Oh? Ward Erling. Ever hear of him? Erling? Yeah. Uh, why, yes. But Erling's still in the hospital. He met with an accident, you know, something about brakes slipping on a car, and he was, uh... He was crushed. 
accident's not what he calls it, and he's got a gun, just for emphasis. What's his connection with Lynn? Oh, help yourself, Marlon. Lynn won't mind. Get your snoot out of that glass and answer me. She discovered him, like all the others. That sculpted two years ago, and the cowboy takes Harrison. Early last year was the fellow with the racing boats, and so on. They are hobbies, fun and games to Lynn. She's got too much energy, far too much. What's the difference with Ward Erling? Well, he fell in love with her. Oh. It was charming. And then he wouldn't be brushed off, told off, or bought off. She tried them all. So? She left. Ran out, took a cruise. He wanted to marry her. Simply wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> Imagine that. Those two belong together like scotch and kerosene. You know, you sound a little like you're in love with her yourself. Maybe I am. Oh. But I know my quaint little position in her life. I'm her errand boy, Marlowe, nothing else. You don't care how dirty your hands get? What do you mean? Skip it. Now, look, errand boy, her life's in danger. Right now, I've got to find Ward Erling in a hurry. Any good ideas? You might try the four-bell jump in Santa Monica. What's that? It's a j- That's where Lynn dug that character up originally. He's a musician? If you want to call it that. Some do. He was the piano player and leader of a small and, for some reason, successful combination that's still there, as far as I know. Yeah, and one more thing. Lynn left here in an awful hurry. She might be looking for you, and I might later, too. I'll go home wherever that is and wait. Why not? Oh, it's 210 in the Beekman Plaza. 210. And if my apartment doesn't answer, try the bar. When I pulled down to the parking lot at the four-bell jump, the first thing I saw was the nose of the emerald green car Erling had been driving, peeking out from the side of a building. I checked it and found out it was registered to one William Freeman. Now, that meant nothing, so my next stop had to be inside. The club was a low-ceiling mixture of dusty fishnets, the smell of bad bar whiskey, and noise. The band had just finished the set, climbed off the stand, and drifted out to join the customers. I saw the name Howdy Bub Freeman stenciled on the bass drum. It was a flyweight who carried most of it on an oversized head equipped with a pair of protruding yellow eyes. <laughs> Stuck out even further when I followed him out to a back room. Hey, Bub. Yeah? Is that your car around the side, the green one? Yeah, brand new. Nice, huh? Too nice to loan out. Better come again. Where's Ward Erling? I thought he was the piano man here. Boy, he used to be. He's in the hospital now. Had a bad accident a while back. Who says it was an accident? What? It was an accident. I say so. Mm. Of course it was. I saw it. The brake slipped in his car. It rolled down an incline, pinned him against the wall. That's so. Who says he's in the hospital? I do. Hey, uh, look, what's your grip? You're a liar, Bob. Erling borrowed your car tonight. Man, you're dragging me. I'll see you around. Come back here. Look, look, I... I got, I got no beef with you, mister. Where can I find Ward Erling? Why don't you go off somewhere and drop dead? Where is he? Come on, little man, before I shake it out of you. You look like you shake awful easy. Where's Erling? Wait, wait a minute. I don't know. I swear I don't. I don't care if he used my car. I didn't know it. He, he's a bring down, a spook. Keep going. He blew his cork over some society doll. It practically wrecked our combo we've been working five years to build up. Also, it broke the heart of one very sweet kid. Maxine's so gone, she'd scrub floors for Ward and he couldn't see it. I'm disgusted with him. Maxine who? Where can I find her? Now look, little man, do I shake some more? Uh, 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 Maxine, a jester. That's better. 
She's inside at the end of the bar, blonde in a blue dress. Take it easy, will you? It's a good kid. So am I. We'll get along fine. I'll see you, bub. What'll it be for you, mister? Scotch. Oh, that one's taken. Lady will be right back. Oh, I'm sorry. Water or soda? Water. Thanks. Hey, Larry. Huh? Oh, your phone's broken. I didn't get my nickel back. <laughs> oh, you want me to freshen up that drink, Maxine? No, thanks, Larry. This is fine. Uh, Maxine. Yeah? Maybe you can help me. Maybe? Uh, no. <laughs> no, what I mean is I'm looking for Ward Ehrlich. Try under a rock. <laughs> you know, you sound a little bitter. I'm as bitter as a slot machine these days. What's it to you? Well, I'm an acquaintance of Lynn Russell's. Name's Marlowe. You know her, Maxine? I've seen her at the jam sessions we used to go to. She used to show Ward off to her little groups like a prize pup. Sure you got a peg right? You know, she tried hard to shake Listen, her. she's the got rocks type would sink a yacht just to watch the bubbles. And that's only... Only what, Maxie? Never mind, skip it. Good night, Mr. Marlowe. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't I get to buy you a drink? Some other Tuesday. Good night. I watched her as far as the door. Decided to go after her, and then I caught the bartender giving me a very cold eye. <laughs> Didn't thaw any as I downed my drink and saw him high sign the bouncer. Looked like my welcome was wearing thin, so I went outside and sat down in my car and tried to figure out who was covering up what. But I only got as far down the list as Palmer Sloan. <laughs> had come from the back room in the club. I was a poor third in getting to him. A waiter in a white apron and a fat sax man both beat me. Over here, Manny. Here. Hey, it's Bob. Bob Freeman. He catch what's wrong with him. He's been stabbed. Yeah, yeah. There. In his neck. An ice pick. Bob. Bob, who did it? No use, fella. He was gone before he hit the floor. Whoever did that to him got him dead center. with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe and tonight's exciting story, The Pelican's Roost. Howdy Bob Freeman was face down and dead. The ice pick that had killed him pointed straight up, rigid like an accusing finger. To the right of the dead drummer's sprawled legs was the fat saxophone player, his face shiny with a fine sweat of fear. And to the left, the waiter who had found Freeman's body. For a backdrop, there was the doorway crammed with astonished faces and the funny kind of cracked voices people always have at a time like that. I closed them out. The waiter objected. No, no, wait a minute, mister. What are you doing that for? We got to call a cop, sir. Hey, uh, you ain't the cop, sir, no, I'm a private detective. Name's Marlowe. Well, that ain't good enough. We, we got to get the law Shut about up, Dave. What? Mr. Marlowe will tell you anything you want to know. My name's Lager, Manny Lager. But Freeman was a good friend of mine. Even if he's the reason Ward Erling went to the hospital? What'd you say? That from my corner, Freeman dead only adds one way. He put Ward Erling in splints to keep him from wrecking the band by running off with Lynn Russell on a 90-day cruise. Oh, 
Yeah, sure. And to get even, Erling put an ice pick in his neck. Tossed it right from his hospital window. You, uh, you don't keep up with the news, do you, Lager? Erling left the hospital this afternoon, probably what? by way of the fire escape. Water's out? Out. And so the accident was the kind that's planned well in advance. I know because we've already had a chat. Then you, you mean that Erling did this to get square? He killed Freeman? It could be. But there's another angle. Yeah, an angle named Palmer Sloan. That society louse who didn't want his girlfriend mixed up with anything as degrading as a musician. That's it, ain't it? Maybe. Erling was after Palmer Sloan. All in Russell, he never mentioned Freeman. Yeah, but uh, where's the tie? Howdy Bub didn't fall on that ice pick. Uh, how does it figure? Playing the sheet music. It was Bub and Palmer Sloan working together. Palmer knew that Erling was on the loose. He was afraid Bub had spilled, so he quieted him with that. Right, Mono? No, no, I think you're wrong. Both of you. Look here. Yeah, I found this on the floor near the window. This wouldn't belong to a man, Mr. Marlow. Not even the Palmer Sloan. Let me see that. Mascara case. Yeah. Could be the very personal property of Lynn Russell. Yeah. Her and a couple of million other dolls. You can't hang her on that. Every gal carries mascara. Hold it, will you, Lega? There's a trade name on this case. Eugene, Wilshire Boulevard, Beverly Hills. So what's that proved? May prove you wrong, Lege. I'll see you, boys. Hello. Marlowe Sloan, have you heard uh, from Lynn? No, Marlowe, I haven't, and I probably won't, so please let's not call here. Save it for the country me. club, Palmer, and get a good grip on this. The drummer at the four-bell jump's been murdered. Looks like our not-so-sweet friend did it. Lynn? Oh, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I'm out of my mind. Now, tell me, if she did this, have you any idea where she would head? No, Marlowe, no, I, I don't. Oh. The boat is tied up. Her car is in the garage for repairs. Okay, suppose she didn't take a car or a boat. Would it be by... Hey, wait a minute, Sloan. What was that about a boat? Is it a yacht, maybe? <laughs> not exactly, Marlowe. It's a cabin cruiser. Anchored off the Santa Monica Pier at the moment. Santa and Monica, no... Sloan, that fits. What's the name of it? Crest of the wave. Why? What makes you think she'd go out there? Well, among other things, a crack a lady made early at night. A lady named Maxine Majesty who loves Ward Erling and hates Lynn Russell. Bye-bye, Palmer. I made it to the Fog Vale Santa Monica Pier in less than ten minutes. Then was another five getting out to the breakwater that joined the end at right angles to form a protecting L for the 50-yard boats moored within. Boats that ran from the kind of sleek yachts that good girls stay away from to a leaky rowboat with a rusted outboard labeled Faithless. And all were moored in a series of slips connected up front by a narrow, wet catwalk that did not have a guardrail. Except for a quiet old man with his pipe and pass, the end of the pier was deserted. No light showed on any of the boats. When I'd gone along the catwalk as far as the crest of the wave, a neat chrome-finished 50-footer, I had a clammy, uncomfortable feeling that said I was too late. But that disappeared in the next minute when I spotted Maxine Majesta standing alone on deck. Her blonde hair damp and flat to a drawn, glistening face. A face that didn't brighten at the sight of me. Marlo, what do you want here? Lynn Russell. Have you seen her, Maxine? Lynn? No. No, I haven't. But you are waiting for her. No, no. Why would I... I, you I mean, mean you always come out here nights? good for a girl's hair. Is that it, baby? Marlo, stay out of this, please. So you can get to her alone? No, Marlo, so I can get to her alone. Don't fudge an inch. I mean that, Marlo. This thing goes off real easy. Oh, where is she, Maxine? I, I don't know. Oh, Ward, I knew you'd come here after her. That, that's Never why... Never mind that. 
I want Lynn Russell, Maxine. Why? Why, darling? Oh, Ward, aren't you through with her yet? Didn't she do enough to you? She and that Palmer... Stop it. Just tell me where she is. Keep those hands up, Marlo. I had an itch. I'll ask permission next time. Ward, Ward, listen to me. What difference does it make where Lynn is? She doesn't love you. She never did. You were a five-minute intermission. But us, we were different. We were in love, Ward. We had every time. I'm only after one thing, Maxine. Where is she? Ward, please forget her. Come here. Get my arm. You're hurting me. I'm going to break it unless you tell me what I want to know. The guy who runs the hamburger joint on the other side of the pier saw her here, Maxine. And for the last time, where is she? All right, stop it. She, she doesn't look in truth. Nice going, Adonis. You got your answer, didn't you? Yeah. Just like I'm going to get Lynn Russell. Hooray. State will be overjoyed. What's that supposed to mean, detective? Something like Lynn Russell just killed Howdy Bob Freeman? You're a liar. Really? It doesn't matter. It's true, I'll just be a little harder on the fine lady. How hard can you get, kid? Hard enough. Come now. Here we go. Up to the sitting position. <laughs> Too much blood to the head is bad. Come, laddie. Up we go. Oh, uh, there we are. Uh, I'll be fine in a minute. Oh, there's quite the blow there. Yeah. Hey, take that light out of my eyes, will you? Oh, who are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed you out on the pier earlier. Uh, the name is Spoon. Elvin Spoon. But they call me Scotty. That figures. Oh. Scotty, tell me. Where's the Pelican's Roost? What is it, a nightclub or what? A nightclub? Oh, no, no. It's far from that. How far? What is it? Uh, the Pelican's Roost is the old fishing pier. In Santa Monica? Eh? A collection of rotting wood at the foot of Second Street? Aye, but uh, what business could a man have there, Lottie? The dirtiest. Thanks for your help, Scotty. Are you... Wait a minute. Uh, what be it? Uh, something you dropped? Yeah. Something I dropped while being dropped. A mascara case I never really looked at before. Lottie, you seem so puzzled. Uh-uh, not puzzled, Scotty, just dumb. Lottie here has been jumping to the wrong conclusions, and all because he didn't take a good look at this and... And what? And the color of a girl's hair. So long, Scotty. Thanks again for your help. May get me to the pelican's roost on time. The nickname for the cockeyed assortment of barnacled pilings that complained with every surge of the sea and complained again with the undertow that always followed was no misnomer. At least a thousand sleeping pelicans called it home. Now as I moved out along the splintered, lopsided boards that here and there gave way, I, I tried to be careful not to wake too many of the birds and stir them to flight because that would give me away. But the heavy, clinging fog and the waves crashing over the jagged, jutting rocks below were on my side. I made it out to within 20 yards of the end of the pier without being seen. There I slipped my 38 out of my shoulder holster and went forward, a slow foot at a time, until I saw Lynn Russell, a 
Alive and alone, huddled near a slick, oily piling, a face in her hands, a body trembling with her tears. What I didn't see was the man who would come up beside me and take an aim. Oh, How dumb can one man get, Marlowe? Beating on the sidewalk, a beating on the boat, and now this. Third time's a charm, Adonis, haven't you heard? Oh, Phil. Phil, your hand, it must hurt terribly. Don't waste your sympathy, Lynn. The gentleman here thinks you're a killer. He thinks you knocked off Howdy Bub Freeman because you and Bub planned my accident. And you were worried about Bub talking too much. Phil, how could you believe that? Oh, it was real easy, Lynn. You had the motive and that plus a box of mascara that came from your beauty shop just about sold me. I don't understand. What about the mascara? Well, it was found near Freeman's body. It wasn't until a few minutes ago that I found something else. The mascara is brown and that fits a blonde, not a brunette. What are you trying to say, Marlowe? My guess is that Maxine Majesta's that blonde. She happens to use the same brand as you, Lynn. It's a good guess, Marlowe. Maxine. Swell guess. I did kill Bub. We both planned your accident, Ward. Bud, because he didn't want you to ruin everything you two worked so hard for, and I, because I... I, because I'd rather have you in the hospital than with her. Stay back, Maxine. He has a gun. So do I, but I'm still a hit. You see, Marlowe, I got here before you did. I've been watching them. He had all the chance in the world to shoot, but he didn't. And he won't. And that's why you only got shot in the hand. He's not a killer. He only has a killer's temper. And he's just learned that revenge is hollow unless you are a killer. Don't, Maxine. Shut up, both of you. You killed Bob. Yes, I did. He was afraid you'd find out everything. He thought his only chance was to tell you what we did and put the blame heavy on me. You scum. You put me in the hospital, nearly killed me just to keep me for yourself. Yeah. It's called love. Stupid, wasn't I, Ward? Selfish. And I lost. But if I can't have you, nobody... Oh. Oh, she hit those rocks. You got to get her. Not a chance. Wouldn't do any good if we did. Give me that gun, Erling. Milo, I... Never mind this speech. Run back to the hospital. Get out of here. Yes. All right, Marlo. It was midnight when I called the Santa Monica police, and when all the paperwork was done, it was 3 in the a.m. Lynn and I drove by the old pier and sat looking at the rotten timbers. Tried not to talk about the poor kids somewhere underneath them. Lynn. Yes, Phil. How do you feel about everything? I don't. Just numb. Maybe that's the best way. Numb. Anesthetized. Insulate our hearts, our sensibilities. That way nothing can get to you. Yeah. Then just as we think we're all snug in cotton wool, life explodes the insulation, the heart ends the anesthesia, and... We're back grabbing at brass rings. Phil, I want to go home. Okay, kid. But remember, there may not always be a way home.
The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, presented by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, bring you Raymond Chandler's most famous character and star, Gerald Moore. Philip Marlowe is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Lillian Bayef, Larry Dobkin, Georgia Ellis, John Daner, David Ellis, Paul Dubov, and Jack Crucian. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's adventure of Philip Marlowe and that you're enjoying Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. We invite you to be with us next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time it was a big city, dirty from a trigger-fisted thug in yellow suede shoes. A lady's heart dropped in the gutter and a corpse in a Hollywood duplex. But in the middle of it all and setting the pace was a sweet little girl... From Pumpkin Center, Kansas. This is Bob Stevenson speaking, and this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Richard Diamond, followed by Lights Out. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.